Hey there, how's it going? Welcome to this session of Agency Vision here on the Agency Journey podcast stream. This is Andrew. I'm so excited to have you here this week. In this episode, Gray and I are talking about the the, the conversation, the idea of co-founder versus solo agency owner. And we recorded this episode um, together in one office, so the audio is a little bit different than normal, but enjoy it. We tap into some cool stuff and brought in some insight from members inside of our Agency Journey Insiders community. If you're not a member of the Facebook group yet, head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com, join the group there and join the conversation. Without further ado, let's jump in. We're kicking off another episode of Agency Vision here inside of the Agency Journey Insiders Facebook group. And this is pretty sweet today because Gray and I are in the same spot um, once a month, usually once a month. Yep. We would do it every day if we could. We try to be in the, the same location for our kind of like co-founder meetup and everything. So it's our little leadership summit today. And we're coming to you from just outside Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is where I call home. Camp Hill. Yeah. A little town called Camp Hill. It's a good spot to be. Um, how's your drive? It was great. This makes you appreciate two different things. It makes you appreciate the in-person time, but it also makes you appreciate the ability to work remotely and not have to drive four hours to get together. So both are, both are simultaneously true. Yeah. But, Today we're talking about what is like. how do you figure out your co-founder situation? Like, Should you run your agency by yourself? Should you bring in business partners? Um, maybe you're in a position right now where you're Either by yourself, you're thinking like, should I bring anyone else into this mix? Yeah. Or experiencing some tension maybe with a business partner. You're trying to figure out how do we roll forward? How do we work through this together? Uh, we're going to dive into all of those topics here today. So as you guys are watching this thing, if you want to drop comments into um, on the video here on Facebook, just about like what your you know journey has been like as an owner, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, we'd love to hear about it because we learn together. Um, and I think it's one thing to to point out up front right here is that there's no right or wrong answer to this. Like, what might work for you and I right. might not work for the next agency down the road. And there might be a four-person team out there that's really crushing it. So yeah. what our goal here is not to give you, like, the silver bullet, but to really walk through the decision-making process to figure out what's right for you and your context and your situation and everything like that. So anything you want to add to that? For sure. No, I don't think so. I think that's – that was – as I was writing – so I wrote this up because this conversation comes up. Uh, relatively frequently, and mm -hmm. I had a couple conversations last week with people who were kind of going through, like, either I'm solo right now or the co-founder tension, um, and one person was considering starting an agency, and do I bring on somebody else, or do I do I go about this solo? So I thought it'd be good to address, and I don't really think that, I'm not really approaching this from a, like, there's one better way to do it, because you can look at numbers from incubators or from, you know someone like YC or something like as an accelerator program or incubator program and see the success rate or the fundability of in percentages of here's what happens when you're a single founder company versus what's the sweet spot two three four five six seven whatever it is and there's examples all across the board obviously plenty of examples of single founder companies all the way up to someone like Inter Intercom would they have six I don't know I think it's six founders. Uh, but like a huge founding team, and they've all stuck together, and they're still in it, which is incredibly rare. I remember that conversation when we were starting Guava Box. I went up and met with a friend who's in business, and I, he was just asking me all kinds of questions. He'd been we used to work together in my gap year before going off to college. And shout was, out to gap years, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I was giving him the breakdown of the team and the situation, and 
I forget what his exact quote was, but it basically said, like, there's no way a year from now that all four of you are still together, and there's definitely no way that three years from now, which isn't always true. In our case, though... He was a prophet. <laughs> that wound up being true. Um, so I think that's definitely worth keeping in mind. And I think specifically in our situation, coming out of college, we had people getting married, people in you know with all kinds of different things going on. And that's just a big time of transition anyways. Yeah. So there was a lot to overcome to keep the keep the group together. So it's not really a which one's the best. It's more, hey, here's what to keep in mind if you do either of them. And if you look on... So I posted this on the Zen Pilot Facebook page, which I'm pulling up right now, and in the Agency Journey Insiders um, here in this group. And I thought we had some good some good comments and some good pieces of advice that I wanted to dive into. But a couple of people who were the the majority of those comments were from people who had started solo. What would you say is that more common solo founders? I think it is. I think so too. Yeah. In the agency, at least in the agency ecosystem. Yeah. I don't know if we've. I mean, I can think of a lot of examples of partners. Can you think of many examples where people have more than two partners in the business? Other than ourselves, <laughs> I don't talk to too many people like that. And I think like the the track I typically see when I'm working with folks is that they're coming in, they're starting the agency solo because they went from corporate to like I'm going to do some freelance work now to right. like I'm growing out of freelance. I needed to expand something like that. Yeah. Um, where when I see business partnerships, usually the background is we were doing something else. Like we were either both at the same company. Or we were doing, we had this other business and this marketing thing worked out really well. And so now we're going to take this and help other marketers with it. So right. there was kind of some pre-established relationship prior to the agency starting. Yeah, um, I know that there are agencies that do start like basically merge at their very right. early age. Right. It's kind of like two trees grounded founders, together. Yeah. Like is it one tree or is it two? Well, I think it's, and it's unlike the software space in that often there's someone who's a non-technical, like we have this technical, yeah. non-technical founder lingo in the software startup world that doesn't necessarily apply everywhere else and so we see that a lot there where it's like i'm not technical i need a technical founder everyone's telling me i need that so i go get that versus with the with all the different types of agencies and everything that you can do um and like you said super frequently it's taking a skill set that you already have yeah and applying it so really that does happen a lot where you are working somewhere you're like whether it's autonomy that you want or you're just fed up with the company that you're at, or you just see higher revenue opportunity, or you just want to, you know, the opportunity to kind of be creative and do your own thing. Pretty much autonomy. (laughs) Um, That you go down that route as well. So, anyways, let's start off with just a couple things to keep in mind. You're talking to someone who's starting it off, and they're making this decision. Mm -hmm. What are the first thoughts that come to mind as far as, like, what would you tell them, having not written up any of your thoughts ahead of time? Yeah, well, I would start with just... Try to put yourself in the place where you want to be one year from now, two years from now, five years from now, and dwell there. Like, don't just do it, you know, lackluster, but like, do a retreat. Because this is a big commitment. Like, that's one thing. It's like, don't enter into yeah. a partnership um, unawares. Like, just know that this is basically getting married to someone. Like, right. legally, you're going to be signing all the paperwork together, and like, you're in this thing together. And it's going to bleed over into your family relationships as well. So people try to say, I separate business from personal stuff. And like, I call bullcrap on that because you like (laughs) when you own a company, like it is part of who you are. You can't make decisions in business that don't transfer in some way, don't spill over into your home life. So when you enter into a partnership, just know that like 
good or bad, like positive or negative, like that's going to flow into either family. And so just, I would be conscious of that, be thinking about that before you get into it. Um, and so defining like what do you want the business to look like would be an important thing because you want to you want to build towards that vision, not necessarily like what's right in front of my toes right now. Right. We want to make decisions from a, a posture of of like a strategic long view rather than like a tactical. I need someone who knows how to build a website, so I'm going to go partner with someone who knows how to build a website. Like there are other ways to get websites built in your agency if that's not your skill set. For sure. If you're not like that technical co-founder or whatever. So um, that'd be the first thing I'd say. Yeah. Is put in that time to like bake out what is the vision of what we're trying to build. Right. What are you trying to do? I would go along with that and to piggyback off of that, I would do a, more than we did uh, in terms of kind of Give self... running theme here. This is, a, this is a dangerous term to say, but self-exploration. Basically, just figuring out who am I? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the way that I'm wired? Uh, Kenny Lang um, in the Facebook group talked about... He's a solo founder, started it on his own. And talked about figuring out like his Enneagram personality and kind of just understanding like who am I, what's the way that I'm wired, how am I going to behave, That's good. Um, those types of things. And there's different assessments that hit at different pieces of that. But understand how are you wired, are you the type of person who is just going to, nothing is going to, you don't want to let go of anything. You want to own everything and it's going to, you're going to need it. You might still need a founder. In that case, but you need to understand who you are and what choices you need to make and the way you need to discipline yeah. yourself because it's a whole bunch of, uh, I mean, it really is. I think Carl Sakis said in the group that the best partnerships that he sees are, he called them work spouses. And um, it's really like the people who have that, like the marriage quality, yeah. high quality relationship. Um, they're not. He's not saying that they actually are married, but just that they... Although that happens more times than... <laughs> it, well, and we'll get into that. Yeah. What I see in uh, spouse-led teams where they're both involved in the business. But um, but I think that that makes a lot of sense that you really have to have that... I mean, you've got to have a super high uh, level of functioning relationship. Mm-hmm. And it helps a lot if you actually like each other. Yeah. So let's unpack this a little bit. Like... How do you get to that stage? Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's say you just meet someone, you're like, you're at that early stage where you want to explore having a co-founder in there. Right. How do you begin that journey of figuring out, is this someone I want to in- enter into like a business marriage with? Like, what would right. you say there? Yeah. Well, so many teams start from pre-existing friendships, mm-hmm. like what we had. And there's the people who are all about doing it that way and the people who say don't ever go into business with friends and ultimately it comes down to setting really clearly defined expectations or having a relationship that is so committed that you can survive not having the level of clarity and expectations yeah. that you probably should have had. But if you don't have that level of relationship and you don't have clear expectations, it's doomed from the, from the very beginning. For sure. <laughs> but... If you don't have that relationship, so let's assume that you don't have that relationship right now or that you're already running an agency, but the ups and downs have gotten to you. You think you might accelerate growth or just enjoy the experience more with a co-founder. I think, um, I mean, to me, depending on your financial situation, I know that one of the things both of us are big on is test projects. Yeah. So, and you look at it and say, like, how do I test someone as a co-founder? Being a co-founder handle touches every aspect of the business. Yeah. Like, how do you... There's no way to clearly scope a really small project and say, here you go, here's being a co-founder. 
But it's also hard when you bring someone in as an equity partner because equity is such a tricky thing to mm-hmm. give up and then to get back at some point to try and claw that back if it doesn't work out. So, I mean, you can certainly set up arrangements where you bring someone on as a co-founder. Say, hey, if you get fired, terminated for cause, you know, there's a clawback provision where in the first year or whatever, but year is pretty common where we might get that equity back off the table. Um, so, to me, I would choose one of those two. I would either – now. If, you, if I go to somebody and ask them if there'll be a test project for a co-founder, <laughs> it's like, hey, I think you might be material, but I'm not really sure. That's, I think that's probably, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. To me, it sounds like because that's not normal. I'm a little wishy-washy on that. Like we yeah. don't, even though that's what's happening during a lot of dating relationships, you don't go to the person and say. For the next six to nine months, I'm going to evaluate whether I want to get married to you or not. Yeah. That is what's happening in a lot of those cases. But you don't say that verbally. Yeah. And if you did, it'd be a little bit, you know, there's a level of expectation to perform or act a certain way during that time period where maybe you're not seeing people's best self. So to me, that seems a little foreign. I maybe wouldn't structure it that way. Um, but you might not call it, here's our co-founder, our potential co-founder test project. Yeah. You call it something else and give them access to different business areas of the business or if you want to bring them in you just bring them in with a very clear um, you know vesting schedule and cliff on equity and clarity around here's what define the end from the beginning like anyone who does any type of future planning whether it's financial planning or business planning or anything else is we want to prepare for the worst day of the relationship Mm -hmm. Um, so when we hate working together and we're not making any money, and we're embroiled in the middle of a client fire, uh, client fire, client trying to sue us for something. Like, what happens to the relationship on that day? How do we prepare for that? And what's the breakup plan from the beginning? So, um, having those plans in place and figuring out, okay, here's what that looks like. Because I'm bringing you on later in the game, mm-hmm. I'm going to own more equity. So I'm going to be in control of the business, and I'm going to determine whether to terminate you or not. And if I terminate you in that first year, here's what happens. And if it's after that and your equity is already vested, here's how we're going to come up with an agreed upon amount without having to go necessarily to arbitration. Or here's the arbiter that we're going to use yeah. that we've both agreed on and the method that we're going to use to kind of separate things out. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Agency Journey. I'm Andrew. I'm a co-host here on the podcast, and I'm a founder of Zen Pilot. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love a five-star review and a comment on where you're listening from and what you're getting out of this podcast. You could drop that over on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the podcast today. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get the updates as they come out. And if you want to engage with other agency owners that are enjoying this podcast, join our community. Head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. That's going to take you to our special private Facebook group, a collection of owners from around the world who are on their own journey to build their own agency. So head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. Join the group today. And if you're at a point where you're ready for some help and you want to implement processes and systems to scale your agency, you can head over to zenpilot.com slash free training. And there you can watch a special 19-minute training presentation where we walk through the exact process that we use at Zenpilot to help agencies implement processes and systems so they can scale their business without reinventing the wheel for every client. And that allows agency owners to pull out of the weeds and spend more time working on their business. So hope you're enjoying the content here today. We'd love it if you join our community. And we can't wait to hear where you are in your agency journey. Now back to the show. Basically have all of that fleshed out before you enter into that. And right. that's like, 
goes back to what we said at the beginning is like do the work up front like don't run into this thing and just say oh like this is exciting like we just crushed it on this client project like we can go do that again for another client right. like tap the brakes it's okay like take the time to make sure it's a good fit before yeah. you pursue into that because you're going to protect your clients you're going to protect your relationship with each other you're going to protect yourself like your mindset your stress load and everything like right. let's not forget that in this equation is like protecting kind of your state, your atmosphere as an owner and like how important it is for you to be in a healthy state to grow your business, to serve your clients, to serve your team. If you're feeling like stress and anxiety in your co-founder relationship there, that's not a good place to be. So we want to flush that out as soon as possible. Um, I feel like we're hitting on a lot of the negative side of things yeah. here too. It's like right. what to be aware what of should, up front. Yeah. Well, you know what stuck out to me also from people commenting in was a couple of people said uh, or um, – I'm blanking on who it was specifically who said that they would go solo for cash flow purposes. Yes. And I would have gone the other way on that. So they – I mean it makes sense. Like can you afford to pay two or three or four people right from the beginning? Probably not. But I was thinking of it more from kind of the, just based on our own personal experience of maybe you do need co-founders early because you need the people who are willing to work for nothing yeah. in hopes of their investment paying off. Um, so I think you can go either way on that, but overall, I do think as a solo founder, which we haven't lived through with either, you know, with our, our primary businesses here, but the recurring theme that I hear from everybody is like, it's just, it, it will get lonely. You yeah. do have all the pressure on one person. No one else really gets the situation that you're going through completely. Your spouse can't, I mean, we've lived through that. Like, yeah. um, we have amazing wives who know an awful lot about what's happening with the business mm -hmm. and with our our work life but they still aren't living through the same situation that you're going through it's different yeah so because of that and it's hard to you know this is the first shot doing it just like it's our first shot doing this so it's hard to know how to relate to um how to relate to that so and as a solo yeah. founder i gotta believe that's exacerbated yeah. substantially more so if you are a solo founder like you need to and Carl Sakis gave a really good example of what his support network looks like but you need to invest in that support network and build that out and you know what it just stuck out to me Marek um, yeah. who has worked with us and is in the Facebook group has gone through and um, they have four founders four right four founders yeah he laid so, it out yeah um, so I thought that was a really helpful example to see as well yeah. of here's someone who had four founders and hasn't fallen apart. And what Mark did really well and what we attempted to do early on but we struggled with this was like yeah. setting very clear roles for if you have more than one founder, what are the expectations there? Because right. you, if you have two people, three people, four people, you can't have all of those hands on the wheel. Like right. there's a difference between the ownership structure and the organizational structure about like – how are we leading this company now? What are the roles? How are decisions made? Right. And all that kind of stuff. So doing the work there is important. Yeah, our first attempt at this, just to clarify kind of what we're talking about. So Guava Box was started out of our college dorm room in 2011. So eight, well, end of 2010, beginning of 2011. So seven, eight years ago. And there were four of us, you and I, who were both about to graduate from college. Yeah. And two other team members, Ryan and Brandon, who were uh, just finishing up their sophomore year. Of college, so they still had two years of school left. So, in addition to not setting super clear expectations around rules, roles, we did have some rules defined, but there also just wasn't the experience or maturity to kind of go back on and say, mm -hmm. just because you're in this role, like actually this yeah, this may not this be role. you may not be the right person to be in this role. Yeah. It was just like we have these roles to fill, 
someone's got to get plugged in here. So there were a couple roles that naturally made sense. Yeah. But uh, we went through and switched in and out a, a, lot a good amount. The right fit. So just a lot of turbulence there mm-hmm. super early on. And, I mean, fortunately, those relationships have, have still been strong and lasted longer than, yeah. than the business partnership mm-hmm. um, did. But then that really fed into, I mean, those experiences have really helped then in our subsequent Mm-hmm. Uh, business here with uh, Zen Pilot and yeah. just the way that we relate and understand our sweet spots better now than we did before. And I think what helps us a lot is there's like something has to be grounded. Like there has to be like a principle or a vision that the two, that two, three, four co-founders share. Right. Um, like a stake in the ground that you make all of your other decisions off of. So like for Gray and I, like how the time that we spend with our families, the time we spend with community, like that flexibility is really important to us and that's why yep. That's why remote works for us right. and why we, why Gray like put, makes it a priority to drive four hours this morning so that we can be in person so we can pull this stuff off. Like that's a stake in the ground right there. And so our business model might change because we asked the question, how does this business help us achieve that one thing? Right. So if you don't have common stakes in the ground with co-founders, you're going to find friction. Yep. Like those underlying like things have to unite you. Your business might change. You might rebrand. You might discover like new technology, new positioning, like all that stuff doesn't matter because it serves the core purpose. Yeah, it really is what's the higher truth that you both believe in. And yeah. you've got the shared values, even though some of our skill sets, fortunately our skill sets are pretty complementary, but we do have some of the same skills. Mm-hmm. But because we have a shared kind of vision or values, um, and you really need both of those, but that's allowed us to keep going. And we've also always had the principle of like the relationship comes first, even if that means giving up on the business at some yeah. point. Um, which leads me into kind of the other type of relationship that I want to talk about or other subset, I guess, of partnerships, which is the spouse or significant other um, partnership where it's, um, you know, in a lot of cases, husband-wife team or yeah. um, whatever the setup may be. And so I mentioned this in the um, in the thread on Facebook, but talked about the three Ds that that ends in. <laughs> <laughs> Unpack these three Ds for us. So, thank you, you for asking. I'm so I'm so happy that you asked. Um, the first one is oh, we'll we'll just start with the the most blatant uh, death. <laughs> but not start death, with the best, right? Not death of one of the partners, but death of the business. So in this one, I think probably in in most cases that I've seen, the business dies because you probably have the right priorities. Where you say the relationship comes first. And so there's conflict in the business, and eventually the business just goes under because you realize, and or the business continues, but one person leaves the business because they realize this isn't healthy for our relationship. Yeah, either we don't have complementary skill sets, we don't have the same vision for what we're trying to build here. Someone wants to work harder, someone wants to go on vacation. We just had different perceptions coming in of what being a business owner was going to be like. Or one person really wanted to build an agency, the other person wanted the flexibility and the yes. financial incentives yeah. and everything else that came with it, but didn't really. They didn't care about building an agency um, or the specific type of business that you're trying to build. Yeah. So there weren't shared expectations. It was kind of like, I'm in between jobs or I'm not real happy with where I'm at right now. You're starting something. There's an opportunity. It makes a lot of sense if we work together and build the same thing. Uh, you know, Both of our incomes or you know, all of our inputs are going into the same thing and our incomes yeah. are coming from something that we control. There's a lot of reasons that it might work. But that, that to me is a, one of the most... That's probably the most frequently seen outcome from those types of relationships at some point. Now, keep in mind that 90% of businesses 
fail in the first five years. So that's not to say that there's a – I don't know statistically that there's a higher failure rate of, of these specific type of businesses. But just keep that in mind. And I'd actually recommend that you – I mean I assume probably for most of us we're on the same page around that. Maybe not, maybe not everybody. But um, that you have that expectation and agreement from the beginning of like our relationship comes first. That's – that's important. <laughs> if you're going to go into marriage with your spouse, you got to know like this right. is this comes first. Right. So then the second one is the disastrous outcome, yeah. which is where the business might keep going or you lose like the 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 relationship falls apart, um, which happens too frequently, and uh, and often that winds up leading to the business falling apart as well. Okay, we don't need to go into that one. That one's not a not a fun outcome for anyone, um, but that has potential, and I think that usually stems from the same the same problems where there was misalignment in the business roles and vision and objectives mm-hmm. but there wasn't the underlying principle of but the relationship comes first yeah <clears throat> and then the third one is i think it can be really dynamic that's a third d um where you're aligned you have shared values a shared vision you've got that principle mm-hmm. undergirding it and there's really complementary skill sets um and in some cases i, I we've seen this happen in uh, more, more frequently in relatively small teams, I think it's another dynamic for your team members to adjust to. If that's uh, you know, there's people who are hesitant about working in those types of businesses for valid, very valid reasons, and mm-hmm. that's because of the first two D's yes. <laughs> that that happened that kind of ruin it for everyone else. Um, but something to pay attention to. So I think, I mean, that would be my advice to people who when we talk to those types of teams is let's first have clarity on you're in a different situation because of the depth of your personal relationship mm-hmm. as opposed to most people, yeah. um, even if they were friends pre-existing. That does matter. There isn't Some people are better at car- compartmentalizing different pieces of life than yeah. other. Like you said earlier that you, you don't think it's possible to, but some people are mm-hmm. better than you at compartmentalizing what they do. Yeah. But I don't think anybody can compartmentalize 100%. Like, there's too much overlap there that you can't get past that. So there's a depth of personal relationship. So I think that comes first as an agreement about what's our understanding of the way the business is structured and, mm-hmm. and what do we value most, shared values. Mm-hmm. And then as a business, what are we trying to do? What's the clear vision at the end? What yeah. are the expectations and the ground rules? Do we talk about this once work is done for the day, five yeah. o'clock or whatever, mm-hmm. or does this not get discussed in the evenings? Um, are you allowed to work on this at night or do we not work on it? And do we unplug and go do something else yeah. at night? Can we work on weekends? What is, you know, what's okay? What's not, what are the roles yeah. uh, individually in the business? But those are the things I would, I would think about and keep in mind. You want to address most of those in any relationship and crucially important for the health of your relationship. If, uh, if you're in a, in a business relationship with your significant other as well. Yeah, it's important. So, Anything else you'd add there? I'll just sum it up and say, like, first of all, spend the time to define what you want your business to look like. I think a lot of times when we're rolling out of a corporate situation or we're rolling out of a freelancer situation, it can we view like starting an agency as like just the next thing on the list. Right. Step back from that and invest the time to really paint a picture of what you want it to look like. It might look different in the future, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. The important thing is is to like run yourself through that exercise. And we were talking about this this, this morning is the decisions that you make that you don't know that you're making. Yeah. Um, so to ask yourself that question, by choosing this path, what decisions am I making in doing that that I might not be seeing? Right. And trying to pull yourself out of your current seat and see it from a different angle can be helpful there. 
And then two, if you want some camaraderie, if you want if you want to bring in some more horsepower to the team with a co-founder, mm-hmm. identify those shared values, those shared principles. Like have those stakes in the ground where you're in absolute agreement about these things because the markets are going to change, the you know the vision of the company might change, the business model might change. But as long as you have strong values at the bottom that you're both building towards the same thing, like that's the recipe for a healthy partnership. Whether right. you have Seven partners, one partner, or you're solo. Like those, right. those drive business growth. So that's what I would say. For sure. Well, good. Well, if you have any questions on any of this stuff, anything else that you'd add, throw it in here in the Facebook thread. If you're not listening on Facebook, if you're hearing this on the Agency Journey podcast feed, go join agencyjourneyinsiders.com. We'll take you right to the Facebook group. You can jump in there and you can be in on the next conversation. Give us uh, feedback, insights, input. And that'll help drive future Agency Vision episodes. Sure does. All right, guys. Thanks for joining. Good stuff. See you, everyone.